0: Go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Father, I come before you this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus, the only name by which we may approach the throne. Father, we ask for your mercy and your grace beyond what you've already shown us this morning by allowing us to wake up to have breath in our lungs and to stumble out of bed, Father, and to make it into your house of worship. Lord, would you help me this morning? I'm in need of great help with your word, God, with handling your text, that they may be done right, rightfully, Lord, may be rightfully divided, and that these truths may seep into the hearts of the saints that are here this morning. Uh, don't allow us to walk out the same way we walked in this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Holy Spirit, you are needed. Father, please bring your, uh, your spirit into this place to press the word on their hearts. Father, if it's just me and my words, it's worth nothing. It's powerless. So, Father, I pray you give me unction. You would hide me behind the cross this morning and let your word speak to your people. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is good to be back here this morning. Um, it's always nice coming up, especially this time of year, the, the drive up here is really nice. I'm seeing the trees, and I've got them around my house, but I like seeing other places and in the hills. Um, so this morning, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff has told me he's been going through some of the solas with you, some of the Reformation things. You know, this is, as you know, what's, what's the 31st? If anybody says Halloween, you're going to get booted out of church. What's 31st? What's coming up? Not Halloween. The what? Well, maybe. Um, Martin Luther wrote the 96th. 95. 95. things on the Catholic The 95 Theses. We're celebrating Reformation Day 1517, 500 years ago on October 31st. Thank God for Martin Luther stood up to the Catholic Church and nailed his 95 Theses on Wittenberg's door. And what started as the Reformation, which is why we have a church here today. So, uh, it is a privilege, and I'm excited today um, to, to, to speak to you from Scripture, and uh, I'm just going to come out and say this at the very beginning, because a lot of pastors tap dance around this, I'm just going to come out and say it, by nature, by their doctrine, Roman Catholics are not Christians, I'm just going to come out and tell you, they're not Christians, By today, by the scriptures, I'm hoping you you will see and realize that by God's definition, by God's word, not my opinion. And, and, And I want you to get that. And I'm going to say some very hard things today. Now, know this. Know who is saying this to you. I was raised a Roman Catholic, raised in the church, graduated from a Catholic high school. Okay, God saved me out of that theological cult. I wouldn't say the Roman Catholic Church is a social cult, but it's a theological cult. And you'll see what I mean by what they believe. So I'm going to say some very hard things this morning. Things that would probably get me uninvited to many churches. But I want you to know that I say them with love. I say them with truth. And I say them because there's a burden on my heart. Like we're going to see the Apostle Paul had for those that were lost in their religion. And we're going to see that. So... I I, I want want to show you these things. Um, I I could point to many things. I could point to the the first major response of the Roman Catholic Church. Do you know what that was? The first response after Martin Luther thrust us into the Reformation and then we had Calvin and others come along. The Roman Catholic Church first official public response is known as the Council of Trent. And it's where they had a meeting, and there were many things put out. And the Council of Trent. Let me ask a question How many here believe you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, like Paul says in Ephesians 2? Right? Per the Council of Trent, which is still active and in the Roman Catholic Church today, by the Roman Catholic Church's doctrine and beliefs, you and I, believing we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, we are anathema. According to the Roman Catholic Church. Everybody in this room is damned according to the Roman Catholic Church. And you need to know these things because I know you know Roman Catholic people. I know you have friends and neighbors. I still have family members. My dad and my brother are still lost in that, in that mess. So we, we could also point to, I, I could point to things all afternoon. Like how about William Tyndale? I know you know the name William Tyndale. Translated the first uh, English Bible, right? The English New Testament. We, we could talk how he was strangled and burned at the stake. Or, or we could talk about how many faithful shepherds, when the, when, when the Roman Catholic Church under their direction and, 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 and the authorities would come and they would grab pastors out of their churches and they would march them through the square in front of their congregation that they faithfully served and burned them at the stake. We, we could talk about all that stuff. But obviously today we don't see folks like myself or pastor jeff for being drug out in the middle of fairview and burned at the stake at the hands of the local roman catholic church but in a more practical sense i want you to see that these heretical teachings from the roman catholic church should give you a burden to reach your catholic neighbor it should spur your heart as a christian as a christian to to, to go and to get them to turn from their their false teachings um, there, there's a, uh, an individual, his name is Justin Peters, a uh, very wise uh, man, um, I want to read a quote from him. He says, most evangelicals today, tragically, think the Roman Catholic Church is just another denomination. And it is not. Its core doctrines are soul-destroying and gospel-denying. We must love Roman Catholics enough to tell them the truth. And that's my plea today, not to come up here and debash the Roman Catholic Church, but to come up here and teach you and show you what, how, how their teachings followed to their letter will lead them to hell and to put a burden on you, the Christian, to win them, to grab them and pull them back from the, from the fires that, 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 that they're headed for. And so our text today will be from Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 will be our text today. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Because what you're going to see today is by the belief system of the Roman Catholic Church, Those who die under the Roman Catholic Church belief system, unconverted, unsaved, will suffer under the judgment that we see here in Romans 10. And we do not want that for our Roman Catholic friends. Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 reads this. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. May God bless the reading of his word. That's going to be our, our focus today, and we need to understand where this is in the New Testament and in Romans particular and how to proceed it. That in Romans 9, the whole chapter, we see God's sovereignty and its glory. And here in Romans 10, we see the human response to that. So if you want some Sunday afternoon reading, read Romans 9 and then read Romans 10 and think about what we're going to talk about today. In Romans 9, we see God's electing grace. I know that E word has become a curse word in the evangelical church today, but it's biblical, it's right, it's God glorifying, it's election, it's taught, it's, it, 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 it's given in God's word. And that's why so many people, because man does not like having things outside of his control, struggle with Romans chapter 9 is because it's, 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 it's God's sovereignty and His glory, it's God's electing grace versus men and women pursuing God wrongly. And in chapter 10, here we see the the response. And if you go on through 10, it talks about those being sent out uh, and and so forth. But Paul actually starts a couple verses ahead uh, in, in chapter 30. And I just want to read this quickly. Paul actually starts before we get to our text today. he says in, in, in verse nine and, uh, or chapter nine and verse thirty he says, "What shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is here it is listen to this: a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law that law why because they did not pursue it by faith." But as if it was based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. For it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you see how the Gentiles here received God's righteousness? How did they receive his righteousness? The same way you and I receive it, by faith. There's one of the solas. Jeff said he was going through the solas. Sola fide, sola gratia, sola scriptura, sola Christos, sola deo gloria, the, the five solas of the Reformation. Here is sola fide, by faith alone. And then, so, and you see how did Israel pursue it here? They pursued it by their own works, okay? And I know this is talking about Israel, but we see the same thing in the Catholic Church today. And other, other, other ones, other, other false religions, Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, none of them Christian. They're all works righteousness. But today, because of the Reformation and so forth, we're going to focus on the Catholic Church. That's, that's what we're going to look at today. So today's text, I'm going to show you four things regarding us in the Catholic Church. I want to show you four things. We're going to see a burden we're going to have for them. We're going to see a conviction of what they believe that is wrong. We're going to see an explanation of why it's wrong. And then we're going to send you away with an answer of how to go at that from an evangelical perspective. So the first up on our list is a burden. A burden. And we're going to pull each one of these from all four verses. Okay? For each one from one verse. So from, from, from the first one is A burden. A burden we're going to see that in verse 1 romans chapter 10 verse 1 paul says brothers my heart's desire and prayer to god for them is that they may be saved now you need to get a sense here of paul's urgency of paul's anguish of paul's heart-wrenching yearning for these people to come to be saved he says it's his heart's desire and his prayer His heart's desire and his prayer. So first up, the burden. Your heart as a Christian should be burdened for these people. Not in a high-minded way that we got it figured out. You know, what do we have that we have not been given, right? But to be burdened for them. To know that that, that you have found the bread. And as a beggar who's grateful, you want to show somebody else how to find that bread. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, and, and salvation, Um, You know, as an evangelist, I can tell you that there's a difference when you go and you're just hurrying up and rushing through to do things because you're supposed to do it to check off the box, and when you genuinely have a burden for somebody. And you have a burden for lost people. It breaks my heart to stand on a box at a mountaineer game and see these people who some of them don't like the message we're preaching and they'll turn their speakers with their vulgar music towards us or or or, or, or tell us we're number one, if you know what I mean. Or, or turn up their bottle and, 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 and some of the most vile things yesterday. Matter of fact, talk about Roman Catholics. I saw one walking yesterday and they do this sign of the cross thing they make as they're walking by mocking us. Here we are with the bread of life, the words of life, life to them and all they can do is mock us and, and girls who are scantily clad dressed making very vulgar remarks to us asking us to do certain things to them. Just, it's, just, it's just vulgar. Now not all Roman Catholics are like that but I'm saying that's, that, that's their faith. You want to see the Roman Catholic faith on display? Go down to the Italian Heritage Festival here in Clarksburg. Friday night drunk hammered. Saturday night drunk hammered. Oh, but by golly, they're going to be up there Sunday morning at the Mass on the front steps because whatever. Now, I'm not saying we're better than Catholics. We deserve the same judgment in hell as they do. What I'm saying is we know we 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 know this we 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 should have a burden because we know what we've been brought from and we see this burden. Paul Paul gives us this again, actually clear back at the beginning of Romans 9, he starts that chapter out with another burden like that. In Romans 9, 1 through 4, he says something very similar. It's a little more pronounced with the burden. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. You see that? Anguish in his heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Now again, he's talking about Israel here. He says, they are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of law, the the worship and the promises. But I want you to see the burden Paul has here for those that are lost. He has a burden. He has a yearning. He has something inside that just won't rest, it just won't settle because he knows where these people are headed. That's the burden, the anguish we should have. As a Christian, do you have that anguish? Is that a reality in your life? Or, or do you just come in and we're going to go to church today and when the guy gets done yelling at us from the pulpit, we're going to sit here and have a few jokes and we'll just do our Sunday school and check it off. And then we're going to go and hit the Fairview Diner wherever and eat and then back to my lazy chair. Whew, thank you, Lord. It's a good day. And that's work content. Listen, I know not everybody is called to be on a box on the street. But let me tell you something. Evangelism is not a gift. It is a command. It is a command. You are to go out to all the nations, pantatai they make disciples. Go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Preach the gospel to all creatures. We're all called to share the faith. And in this particular application with the Roman Catholic Church, we should be burdened. Now, I don't want anybody to answer me because I'm going to you might want to pull your toes back from where they're at right now. But let me just ask you a question. And you answer in your own mind. No throwing things at me. Based on your prayer life this week. And your desires in your heart as a Christian. If God answered every single prayer you prayed this week. How many people would be saved? You answer that for yourself. Now I know it's hard many times to share your faith. And I know some of these people are so steeped and all but brainwashed in these religious teachings. I know it. I know it's hard. And I know we don't see fruit. I, I know that, you know, just like the Israelites Paul's is referring to here, these Roman Catholics, they're lost. They're stuck in this religion. Trust me, I know. My, my, my dad and my brother, my brother doesn't want to talk about it. My dad, especially. It's sometimes it's just I feel like a mite beating my head against a big rock. It's just like you can't get through to these people. It's just like you just over and over, no matter what I say and no matter how I show them where that doesn't line up with scripture, even their own Bible, which is wrong with the extra books and all that other nonsense in it. But they still won't see it. It's, it's, like, it's like someone standing out in the middle of Interstate 79 going, with their fingers in their ear going, la, 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 there's no traffic, there's no traffic, and eventually something's going to come by and run them over. That's the game they're playing and that's what they're doing. My little man understands this to a degree. He knows his grandfather right now is not in a good place spiritually. I'm not going to lie to him and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to lie to him and tell him we're all God's children. We're not. Read 1 John 3. There's children of God and children of the devil. We're not all God's children. Not until we're adopted and brought into the faith and we're saved. It's not scriptural. He knows. He knows about his uncle. He knows about others that are Catholics. I don't teach him to look down on them. I teach him to be burdened for them. Pray for them. Pray for God to change their heart. Because... Christian, when we sit back and we say, well, I I just can't do it. I can't do it. They're not going to listen to me. I just don't want to argue about it. I want to have a peaceful Thanksgiving dinner. I don't want to argue with them. We'll just let them believe what they believe. And we believe what we believe. Friends, not all roads lead to heaven. Everybody's not coming to God their own way. I don't care how much they believe what they believe. You come to God God's way or you don't come at all. And when we step back and we say, "Well, I just don 't want the argument and I don 't want the burden, and I don 't want to deal with it, and I don 't want to make trouble." You know what you 're really saying? Do you want to know what sin you 're falling into? you 're falling into the sin of denying god 's word. you're falling into the sin of saying, "God, you're not strong enough. God, you're not powerful enough. God, Romans chapter one verse 16, doesn't apply to me because I 'm special that's what you're saying because in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and you should know this verse Romans chapter 1 for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes if you believe scripture if you cling to Christ if you cling to God's word and you trust God for who he is and what he's done and what he says sola scriptura if you believe God's word then you know then you know the most stubborn Roman Catholic you know can be changed. They can be changed. They're stories of priests who have served for decades in, in, in the church, Catholic church, who God has saved out. And then he sends them back in to rescue more out of the fire. Don't deny Romans 1.16 because you want to be comfortable and watch the Macy's Day Parade with your family and not offend somebody that's coming over for dinner. Friends, these are hard things to say, but they need to be said. There's too many people. There's too much. We're talking about eternity. What's more important, a couple hours around a Thanksgiving dinner or eternity? What's more important? And and we we need to understand this, friends. My dad called me last night, and I already knew about this. And My mom had said something to me, and by God's grace, she saved out of the Catholic faith as well, because she was raised Catholic. But she asked me last night, my brother, who is still a practicing Catholic, is going to, Um, have his second child baptized, which I I will not go. I will not go. Why would I go? Why would I walk in to a house of idols, a house of idols, where they kiss crosses, pray to dead people, cry out to dead people, claim there was another person perfect without sin, Mary, Mary, trust her as mediator when the Bible says there's one mediator between man and God and it's Jesus Christ and on and on and why would I walk into that temple of idols and why would I sit there and show any any cooperation or any agreement when they take my nephew and that version of an antichrist called a priest stands up there and dribbles water over his head and pronounces his sins to be cleaned. I know who I'm speaking to. You know you sing the songs. Only the blood of Christ can wash away your sin. Not water from your local municipality. And they believe that. They put their trust in that. That's not faith, that's works. of so my dad asked, said, no dad, I can't go." Why can't you go? Dad, you know why I can't go. Dad, it's heresy. I love my dad enough to tell him the truth. Do you love your friends and family enough to tell them the truth? Why is it heresy? Dad, nothing but the blood of Christ can take away your sins. Nothing but the works that was done on Calvary can atone for your sins. A man in a robe dribbling water over a head does not remove sin baptismal regeneration is a lie it's a heresy from the pit of hell it's taught in infant baptism in the catholic church you can find it in the church of christ many teach baptismal regeneration Uh, we know it is duck dynasty all over television they teach that stuff baptism doesn't save jesus saves i have a t-shirt that i wear sometimes to start this conversation it says if baptism saves jesus doesn't think about that if baptism saves jesus doesn't jesus saves and so no i love them enough to tell the truth so, so, so we see in Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a message of salvation for all who would what? Believe. Who would believe. And that gets us to our second point here. A conviction. In verse 2, we see Paul says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Uh-oh, but not, he says, according to knowledge. Here we start peeling back and seeing, getting to the blackened heart of this matter, is that they have a, a zeal, Paul says, not according to knowledge. Now, if you have spent time around a devout Roman Catholic, and there are some out there, they really believe what they believe, okay? Though most of them are casual, don't know much, they'll, they'll, they have a zeal for what they believe. The devout ones do. Now most of them just go to church on Sunday and that's it. They park it there and they do what they want for the next week. And a lot of Protestants do that too. But speaking specifically to Roman Catholicism. But they have a zeal. Those who, who, who do believe what they believe, they have a zeal for it. But Paul said it's a zeal not according to knowledge. Like the Jews Paul was talking about here in the scriptures. When the Reformation took hold, the Roman Catholic Church, they did the same thing. We see the vicious hatred that led to the slaughter of thousands and thousands of Protestants who who would not bow to Rome or her teachings. While we we don't live in that time, we still have to deal with many folks in the Roman Catholic Church that have the same ignorance. They have the same ignorance we see here. They have a zeal for what they believe, even though it's wrong, and it's without knowledge. They have a zeal without knowledge. You can be serious about what you believe and still be seriously wrong. How many in here were taught when growing up that if you go swimming right after you eat, you get stomach cramps? Muscle cramps, right? That's not true. You know it's not true. You get muscle cramps from from being your muscles deprived of oxygen. It's got nothing to do with you eating. So if you want to go eat a Kentucky Fried Chicken leg and then go jump in the lake, go do it. Right? But we had that zeal. We can't swim for half an hour. It's been 30 minutes. Exactly. It's going to be 30 minutes before we get back in the water. We had zeal without knowledge. Zeal without knowledge. And that's, that's what they have. They have zeal without knowledge. But here's the key. In all these hard sayings that I'm giving you. In all these truths. There has to be. There has to be the same spirit that the apostle paul has in every one of us and that is a spirit of burden and a spirit of anguish and a spirit of i don't want to see my roman catholic friend in hell i don't want to see them going down this road then i need to do whatever i have to do and understand that we need to show them respect i'm all for that we need to show them respect And we need to to speak as good as we can about whatever decent character they have, but without compromising what we know is true. Many, many, maybe some of you in this room, I know I did for a while, but probably some of you in this room even give them a a theological free pass. Now, there are neighbors, to be sure, They are our neighbors, and we should love them. But this should spur us into action that we can't have peace with them who deny the gospel. We can't have peace with them. Our Savior slaughtered on a tree that we have our only hope and our only joy is denied. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. But it's denied because because their gospel, the gospel of Rome, is Jesus plus works equals salvation maybe because catholic church and their doctrines teaches there can be no assurance but god's word says the holy spirit can give us assurance you see just anywhere you turn anywhere you turn in the roman catholic faith and their teachings you can find in scripture that goes against it who are you going to trust your feelings or you gonna trust god's word We, we, we cannot have fellowship with them in that sense and coddle up to them. I, 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 I have lost some friendships and separated, and I'm at peace with it. I, I used to be heavily involved with the West Virginians for Life. It's the pro-life organization here in the state. But they'll work with anybody that's pro-life. That's a problem. Now, by God's grace, there's no active abortion clinics, I don't think, right now in the state. Um... There's some referral places, but I think the closest one's Pittsburgh. But why would I stand outside of an abortion clinic? Because my worldview of why abortion is wrong is going to be different for many people. Um, when, when, When you minister to places like that, because their doctrine's all messed up, there's all kinds of goofy things. I've seen women walking around with rosary beads, sprinkling holy water on the sidewalk. How's that going to save a baby? How's that, how's that, how's that going to show a woman that if she gets an abortion it doesn't mean she doesn't have a child it means she's a mother of a dead baby. We need to lovingly convey these truths to people that have had abortions and if those that have had abortions we need to let them know there's hope and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He's still there with open arms and with forgiveness. But all these ritual things we don't minister with them. There was a, there was a Christian festival it used to be a Christian festival now it's just a ecumenical jihad going on but it was it was a christian festival used to be and and i actually this is how far we are lost i had to stand up and looked at like i had four heads because they wanted to invite a priest to give the opening prayer at the christian festival i'm the only one in the room that got this i'm like have you lost your mind well why we should we should we should we're all the body of christ there it is we're not all the body of christ no, 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 friend. And you're going to see we're not in fellowship. Like I told you at the very onset of this message, Roman Catholics, by definition, and their doctrines, are not Christian. Well, why shouldn't we have the priest give the opening prayer? It's just an opening prayer. I said, friend, if a lost person comes up at this festival and one of the goals is to reach the lost in the downtown area and they ask you how to come to faith in Christ... As a Christian, you better have a lot different answer than what that guy up there in that robe is going to say. He's going to say, you come here, you do this, you go to the class, you get baptized, you go through this and you go that. And oh, by the way, if you sin, you lose your salvation, you come back, you go to confession, you pray a prayer, you do your penance and you get your salvation back. But if you could have been another one. What? That's completely different than the gospel. We believe by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, once and for all, sealed in the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.15, that no one will pluck us from his hands when we are saved. Christ loses none that God gives him. We don't have the same gospel. But it's rampant in the churches. It's rampant. We have no peace with Rome, friends. We have no peace with Rome. What peace would you have with an organization that is taking people you love and know as friends and family away to the flames of hell? What peace would you have with that? It sounds like a pretty evil organization to me. And it is. It's just flat out wrong. It's flat out evil. That gets us to our third, third point, an explanation. Why am I so harsh with my words this morning? Why am I so so uh, in, 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 feeling so much indignation? Here's your explanation. Verse 3, Romans 10, verse 3. Apostle Paul says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. There you go. There's the explanation of why it is what it is. So we see a burden that we should have for these people that should drive us to our knees. Listen, friends, this burden won't be satisfied by going out and we love Jesus and let's have a big kumbaya and cook out and invite our... No, it's a burden in your heart for these people that's a burden. We should have a we see a conviction in their in their ways of their practices of, of devotion, supposedly to God without knowledge. And now in verse three here, we see an explanation of what's going on behind the scenes and why we cannot have peace with Rome, even today, especially today, the way the world is. Here it is the first part of that. Being, Paul says, ignorant of the righteousness of God. Do you know what it means to be righteous? Do you know? To be viewed as righteousness in the eyes of the Lord, here's what it means: is to be seen perfectly conforming to God's perfect law and holy character. Now, I want to know who in here, by a raise of hand, has it within their means to be seen perfectly conforming to God's perfect law and to be perfectly holy in your character. Does anybody? Because that's what it means to be seen as righteous. That's what it means to be seen to be righteous. And that's why we need 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he who knew no sin became sin. Why? So that we may become the righteousness of God. You see that? That's why we need that. We know nothing in our hands we bring. Only to the cross we cling. Like the old hymn goes. That it's Christ. And Christ alone. And like I, I was teaching my kids the other night. I said, you know, there's a sign up above the door in heaven. You know what it says? What's it say? Perfect people only. Perfect people only. Who can go through that door? Nobody. Nobody. But because of 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Christ takes the worst of us. If we get the best of Him, should we come to Him and bow our knee in repentance and faith? That's the key that unlocks it. But that we get... Now, we don't become righteous, okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say we don't become righteous. We're seen as righteous. Because when we stand in front of God, He doesn't see us as the wretched sinner that we are, but He sees Christ as our advocate. Christ in front of us. The perfectness and works and righteousness of Christ covers us. That's how we get seen righteous before God. is by the works of Christ on the cross. But that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. Mm -mm. That's not what they teach. The Roman Catholic Church is glaring in ignorance as they pervert the biblical view of attaining righteousness. God is plainly showing us in all of Scripture that righteousness comes to Him through what? Faith. It comes through. To us, through faith, is where we get righteousness. We are only saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's in Christ alone. Going back to the example I gave you a few minutes ago, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Think about it. Think about all the weird things they teach. All the sacraments you got to do. you got to be baptized as a baby. And your parents make the promises for you. And you're cleansed of your sin. And then when you get into about middle school, you go through what's called confirmation. You make those promises and affirmations for yourself. And then you go, well, but before that you got Holy Communion. You do that, and which they think they have a copyright on because you're not welcome to take it. Go to a Roman Catholic church and see if they'll let you take communion. Did you know that? They'll tell you you can walk up with your arms crossed. the symbol of an ex-crosta. And you'll get a blessing from some Antichrist in a robe. But you won't be able to take the body of Christ. But you wouldn't want to if you know what they teach about the body of Christ. And that's a whole other sermon. But we're saved by faith alone, sola fide, by faith alone. And this is crucial because without the righteousness of Christ, who goes to heaven? Who goes to heaven without the righteousness of Christ? No one. No one goes to heaven without the righteousness of Christ. And that righteousness only comes by faith. It doesn't matter how sincere a Roman Catholic is. It doesn't matter. They are ignorant in the righteousness of God. And they're not going to get to heaven by those teachings. They're operating in ignorance. They're on a dark path. And Christian, it's up to us to light that path with the gospel. To show them in love and in truth that. And look what Paul says in the next part of that verse. He says, seeking to establish their own. The Roman Catholic Church is, has on its own way beyond scripture. I know he's talking about the, the Jews here, the Israelites. But the Roman Catholic Church itself, they go beyond scripture. Uh, 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 The teaching is following heaven. And it's eerily similar to something we see Jesus say back in the Gospel of Mark. So if if you want to take, you don't have to turn, but if you'd like to, if you flip back to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 7. Gospel of Mark in chapter 7 in verse 1. I want you to see something here. Now I know he's talking to Pharisees. I understand the Jews and so forth. But think about this in the light of the Catholic Church and what they teach. Jesus says this, Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands. "...holding to the, to the tradition of elders, and when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Here's they asked Jesus, they say, "...why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands?" And then Jesus just gets out the verbal whooping stick. He knows they know the Old, the Old Testament. And what's he say to them? He says, didn't Isaiah prophesy about you? You hypocrites. As it is written, these people, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold To the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your. Tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained for me is corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down in many things that you do. The Catholic Church is steeped in tradition. They have tradition after tradition after tradition. And those traditions contradict many times the word of God. Another Sola of the Reformation. We say Sola Scriptura. Everything we believe, everything we know, everything is under the authority of the word of God. The Catholic Church will say, well, we got the Bible, our version. We've got the Catholic Catechism written by men. And oh, by the way, we got the Magisterium. Which is the teaching arm of the Catholic Church. So they all three they hold with equal weight. All three with equal weight. Catholic catechism is very problematic. Catholic catechism teaches many things. That damn you and I as Christians. They teach many things that are contradictory to this Bible. When you guys observe the Lord's table here. And you put it in your mouth you celebrate the remembrance of what Christ did on the cross? Is it still bread and juice when you put it in your mouth? Physically, is it still bread and juice? It's not a trick question. Pretty simple question. It's still bread and juice. Do you know the Catholic Church teaches something called transubstantiation? Transubstantiation, it's a big word. Basically, and this is what the whole Mass is centered around. You want to know where my, my burden and the anguish comes from? From my dad, my brother, and those lost in the Catholic faith. Most of my friends I grew up with in high school. They teach that when the priest blesses the wafer and the wine. It actually becomes, I do not want to say it, the flesh and blood of Christ. The actual flesh and blood of Christ. In other words, Christ is re-sacrificed every Sunday. It's calling him down incarnate again to be re-sacrificed again for sin. I think we could all agree in this room that is an improper view. I think we would all agree in this room Christ died once on Calvary. He doesn't need re-sacrificed every Sunday at 8 and 10. Now, park that for a minute. Think about what the Apostle Paul says. If you want to be anguished, if you want to be burdened in your heart for your Catholic family and friends, think what Paul says back in 1 Corinthians 11. What's he say about taking communion in an unworthy manner? Remember the warning Paul gives there? The short version of it, he says, you take it in an unworthy manner, you will have the guilt of those that put Christ on the cross. That's what Paul says. Now think about the millions and billions of Catholics taking communion that way every Sunday. Right now as we're speaking. Think of the coals they're heaping up on their head right now. Taking communion. Saying that it's the blood and flesh of our Savior Jesus Christ incarnate. By their teachings. That's our family and friends. That should drive us to our knees. That should make us want to get our nose in this book. And study. And know what we're teaching. And going, There's many, many, many resources out there to reach Roman Catholics you can use. And the last part of that verse, they did not submit to God's righteousness. You know what Paul was saying there? You know what the apostle was saying there when he says they did not submit to God's righteousness? This is a polite way of Paul saying they became vicious or they became persecutors. Now we've seen that in the history. Catholics can't deny the history. The burning at the stakes and everything else that they did to the Protestants, but, but, but in 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 a in a sense of today, in a sense of today, we we see it, and it depends where you go, how you see it. In the short time that I've been on the streets in the last four years, two of the most um, most adamantly threats I've received of physical violence towards me while I was preaching both came from Catholics, both of them because they didn't matter of fact I had one Catholic it was a Latino heavyset guy in Houston who said if I didn't shut up he was going to shut me up and him and his friend had threatened me but they he looked at me square in the eye and he says I am going to earn my way to heaven and Mary will see me through it and there's nothing you can do to change my mind about it these are the people we're dealing with so there's still that spirit of, of viciousness and, and persecution there. There's still that spirit of, of, of when, you st- when you make a remark like Roman Catholics by nature are not Christian. Boy, you, you, you'll get looked at. Kind of like the looks I got from some of you this morning when I said that. They're not. And now, can someone get saved in the Catholic Church? God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. Absolutely. But if a person gets saved... Truly born again. And they're regenerated in their hearts. And they start to see scripture come alive. And the blinders that are mentioned in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, peeled from their eyes by the God of this world. That are blinding them. And they see the light of the gospel. They may stay in that church for a few more months. Maybe another year or so. But they won't be able to stay. <laughs> no, 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 no. They won't be able to stay. Not with a new heart. Not with new desires, new affections, and the truth of the gospel. They will not be able to stay in that. Will not. They'll have conviction brought to them. But you know what? God's word offers us comfort when we are. When, when you get tossed out of your, of your Thanksgiving dinner or you get sh- shoved out of uh, family events or talked about behind your back with uh, family members and friends, and you can look back at Isaiah six five and say, Hear the word of the Lord, who you tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you and cast you out for my name's sake have said, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your glory, but it is they who shall be put to shame. Let that give you comfort. Because Paul, in a sense, he even reveals what it looks like to come against a Christian. He looks, we see in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12-14, Paul references that. He says, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing to me this service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in belief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus Paul's referencing that we see another one in, in Acts 26 9-11 through 11, he says I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I did, I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when, I, when, they put, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities." Now granted, we don't see that today. The Catholic Church is not gonna come do that to us. However, it still exists in a spiritual sense and it's based, we see a lot of that based in, in the Roman Catholic Church's doctrines. Paul explained, what Paul explained is what's behind our differences today with Rome. It's why we can't have peace with Rome. It's the title of this message, No Peace with Rome. We can't have peace with them. We can't have peace with them. And if that's not enough to convince you that you should not have any peace with Rome, think about this. When you refuse to submit to God's righteousness... You're making yourself an enemy to god you're making yourself an enemy to god is that who you want fellowship with is that who you want to go do ministry with is that who you want to join arms with no you don't do that with enemies of god they they make themselves enemies of god because they deny his salvation you receive righteousness by faith and faith alone. I told you at the very beginning of this message, they put it out in the Council of Trent. If you believe in grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you are damned. That's a Catholic doctrine, Catholic teaching in, in the Catholic uh, the history. Most Catholics don't know they believe that. They would look at you and say, Wow, well, wait on, I don't believe that. Well, then quit being a Catholic. I told my dad about, I explained transubstantiation to him where it becomes the flesh and blood. He looked, he said, you're crazy, I don't believe that then quick, going to a Catholic church. If you're going to be a Catholic, be a Catholic. So here's our answer. This is the last one. I'm done. Here's the answer. So we had a burden. We had a, a, a conviction. We had an explanation. And verse 4 gives us the answer. Praise God we have an answer for this madness. We have an answer for our family and friends who are lost in the Catholic faith. We have an answer. Here's the answer. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There it is. Christ wiped out the entire system that the Jews of those days were accustomed to. I mean, can you you imagine that? He destroys the idea of keeping the law and offers salvation by faith. Remember Romans 16. In the Old Testament, think of it this way. You You ever see a shadow come around a corner? And then you see what was causing that shadow to come around a corner. It's kind of what it is. The Old Testament and the law. You had that shadow coming. And man, when Christ stepped on the scene, there was the substance of that shadow. There was the fulfillment of it all. There was Christ incarnate. Fully God, fully man. There it was. Please do not consider... Start start this burden in your heart. Start this anguish in your spirit with the thought and the understanding and the truth that Roman Catholics are not Christian. How do I say that? Why do I say that? That sounds so harsh. Listen. If you if it's not a reality that Christ is your righteousness that Christ is the end of the law, as the Scripture says, and that God gives us righteousness by faith? If you do not have that righteousness by faith, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. This is the basic Sunday school third grade teaching. If you don't have righteousness by faith, you're not a Christian. It's what the Bible teaches. Not me. The Bible teaches this. The power of salvation to all who believe. When we sang a song this morning, we didn't sing, Jesus paid some. Jesus almost paid it all. Jesus paid it all and I had to do some other stuff. No. Jesus paid it all. And if he didn't pay it all, he didn't pay it at all. He paid it all. I'll give you a quick example. When we were at the University of Virginia, there was this young girl. And and, and when we do these tours, and even even on the streets and and, and the games and stuff, we have a system where we have, there's always somebody getting ready to get up on the box and preach. There's always somebody preaching. But while they're preaching, there's three, four, five, ten of us going around with gospel tracts having one-on-one conversations with other people. Hey, what do you think of that message she's preaching up there? And we'll, we'll, conversations, some of them good, some of them not so good, but we're engaging these people. And so when, when one of my brothers was up there preaching at the University of Virginia, there was a girl and the Holy Spirit just kind of just drew me to her. I saw her. She was just like engrossed in what was being preached there. We had, we had found a place, it was, it was, <laughs> it was a captive audience. We, we were in the middle of the University of Virginia and they had pulled in these four food trucks. Well, you know, college kids love to eat. You know, Miss Mary saw that with these two in her snack bag this morning. College kids love to eat. So we had a captive audience. There was a little half wall we got up on. Had all our stuff set up there, some trees. We had, God gave us shade. And uh, we stood up there and preached. And they were in this little square hemmed in because they were all in line to get food. And so, which drew more crowds and more crowds and hecklers and everything. But there was a girl, I, I believe God just showed her to me. And I, and I, and I looked over she, had, I'll never forget, she had a red bandana on and a white shirt. And she was just, had her food in her hand. And, man, she was just locked into what was... So whenever I talked to her, and I could tell by she had a weird-looking cross on it. I, I just immediately, the sermon meter went off, you know. And so I asked her what she thought about it. She goes, well, you know, I, I believe some of it, um, but I'm a Catholic. So I, I kind of expected that. And what I found, um, especially being somebody who was raised Catholic, um, if somebody would come to me guns a-blazing and say, you know, you're going to hell. Blah, 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 blah Like these hate preachers and so forth. I'd probably just, you know, blow them off or have some choice words. But what I found is you could take some very base, basic truths that you guys know. Very, very basic things. And walk them through them. And let the scripture speak to them. Let the truth of the gospel speak to these people. I looked at her and the first thing I said was, I said, well, I said, you know, I was raised Catholic. I said, I said, um. I said, um, we, we started talking, she goes, oh, I know this, and she even knew, and this, this impressed me, she goes, oh, I know this is a month of, you guys were celebrating the Reformation, right? When Martin Luther did his thing, so she wasn't, you know, she, she had her history and knew some things. And so I said, well, let me ask you a couple questions. I said, have you ever really sat down and compared what you believe to Scripture? She goes, well, how do you mean? And so we started walking through things. You know, the first thing I walked her through, I said, well, I said, I said you, you pray to Mary, right? She goes, well, yeah, but, but she's, she's like a mediator between us and God. I said, what do you do? well, let me ask you a question. I said, and this is in your Bible, too, because we have different Bibles. I said, what do you do with the scripture that says that there's one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ? And you can see the look on her face, like one of these, hmm, never thought about that. And so I can see the wheels turning in her, in her head. And we continue to walk through just very basic things. We started talking about, and she goes, and then she brought up, she goes, what about baptism? What do you think about baptism? So same thing I just told you already this morning. And I said, if baptism is required to get you to heaven, it's a work, right? Well, yeah, it's something we do, right? I said, so what do you do when Paul says in Ephesians 2, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone? And then he says, not of any works that any man should boast. What do you do with that? And she sat there for a minute. She said, hmm. She goes, well, then I guess that's really nothing more than just water, right? That's, there's no, really no power in it. And she's putting this all together herself. I'm just telling her I'm not being some fancy, smart, seminary theologian. I'm just telling her very basic Christian truth we all should know. And she can see the wheels turning. And then she completely caught me off guard. And I'll never forget her name was Gwenny. I'll never forget her face. She completely caught me off guard. She says, well, what do you think about transubstantiation? Well, I just talked about communion. And I was like, this is the first Catholic I've ever met in my life that knows that word, let alone what it means. And so we started talking. And the same thing I just shared with you. We talked about the re of Christ over and over and over. And, 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 and then the warning in 1 Corinthians 11. And so this conversation went on for almost an hour. Almost an hour. And when I got done, she had to go back to class. You could see, you could see, these, these tears in her eyes because the scriptures were working on her. She was realizing that she, she's got a lot of things. She, and, I kept, and I kept reaffirming to her. Listen, don't take my word for it. Go back to the Bible and look at these. Because the things I was showing her, it does say that in the Catholic Bible, but most Catholics don't read their Bible. They just take whatever the priest says. Catholics are, you know Catholics aren't allowed to read from the Gospels from a ch- in a church? Only, they're only allowed to read from anything but the gospel. Only the priest is allowed to read from the gospels. At the church. But anyway, so, so they don't read that. That, that, but that. And Paul says, and this should give us comfort, friends. This shows us that this is on the bottom shelf where we all can reach it. Because what does he say at the end of verse 4? He says, for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Everyone who believes can have God's righteousness. As long as there is a breath in your Catholic family member's lungs, as long as there is a breath in your Catholic friend's lungs, there's hope, there's time. But friend, you need to understand that every time they breathe, they're breathing in mercy. They're sucking in mercy with every breath. And God could call them at any time. And if they do not have the righteousness by faith and faith alone, friend, you're not gonna the eternity. Like I tell folks, it's a long time to be wrong. It's a long time to be wrong. Here's here's the thing. How can you have peace with an enemy of God, Christian? You can't. You can't. Now, when I say we don't have peace with Rome, we don't have peace. I hate the teachings of the Catholic Church, but I love Catholics. Do you see how that works? We love the people, right? They're, they're, they're no different than any other person lost in a false religion, whether it be Islam, Jehovah Witness, Mormonism, Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever. We love, the, we love them, right? We love them, but we can't have a peace. Maybe there's not, there's not a peace with, with the doctrines. We, we, we don't like those doctrines, And there's not a peace. There shouldn't be a peace between you and them. If you can sit and peace, know that they're a Catholic know that they're not saved based on their doctrines that teach what's against Scripture, and you can sit there in peace, friends, I would question your heart. I would question your heart. Where's your burden for that person? Where is your burden for that person? And this is the last thought I'll I'll leave you with as as I close, I promise I'm closing. Many Catholics who you run up to, you'll you'll hear this, but we believe in the same God. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now that sounds sounds reasonable, right? But do they really? Do they really? Friends, I would submit to you that they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Here's why. By their definition of salvation... They deny the works of Christ on the cross. When Christ was hanging on Calvary and He says, To it is finished. He didn't say it is almost finished. He didn't say, I got most of the work done, you're gonna have to do the rest. He didn't say, I I, I think it's finished. He said, It is finished. It is finished. If Christ finished it and fully satisfied God, the debt that you and I owe that we cannot repay because we've sinned as finite beings against an infinite God, and He satisfied that, and He said, It is finished. What can you offer? What can Rome offer? All they can offer are their lying doctrines and catechisms saying you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this. You commit this kind of sin and you lose your salvation and you have to go back and see a priest who's just as big a sinner as you are in a, in a booth and you tell him your sins and you come out and he'll give you a penance which is what you go pray and you pray these things and you mean them enough and you get your salvation back. But if you sin again the next week this is continuing yo-yo. I'm saved and not saved. I'm saved and not saved. Can Christ save you or not? Is, what, is it finished or is it not finished? It's finished. And oh, by the way, for those of your relatives that died and, and we weren't really sure, well, they're in this mystical place called purgatory. And you just keep praying and offering up prayers for them. Not only are you praying for the dead, you're praying to the dead. There's not a saint in heaven that's ever heard a prayer, Christian. You pray to God. You pray to Jesus. Right? Mary's never heard a prayer. Not, not to be coy and, and make light of something, but I can just see Mary sitting up there like this when, when people in Catholics... She's never... They've never she's never heard a prayer. Yes, she was, she was a special lady in the sense that she was honored to, to bear the, be the mother of our Lord and Savior. And we should respect that, and we should, we should, you know, I'm not denying that, but she was a sinner. She wasn't perfect. Matter of fact, I believe in Luke, she refers to Jesus as a Savior. Why would she do that if she was perfect? None of it makes sense. But friends, God, not because of any worth of any of us, surely out of his mercy and love, has revealed these things to you. And if you're here and you're saved, he has, he has made these known to you. Why would you keep such a great treasure hidden and not share that? Why would you have a vial of cure for the cancer of eternal hell, damnation, and fire and torture and not offer that to your neighbor and friend or family member that's lost in this case in the Roman Catholic faith? Why would you not offer that? Why would you not offer that? By their traditions and teaching, the Roman Catholic Church denies salvation by grace alone, sola gratia, through faith alone, sola fide, in Christ alone, sola Christus, and plainly given to us by God of his own word, sola scriptura, thus robbing God of his glory alone, (soli deo gloria. There you have it. There's the wrap-up of the Reformation in five points and five things of why you cannot have peace with them, and you need to reach out to your Roman Catholic friends while they still are sucking in mercy and call them to repentance and faith. Let's pray.